0: Hey guys, this is The Real Estate Podcast and it's your host, Alex Kaufman. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I need you to do me a solid. Hit that subscribe button on your phone if you haven't done so already and share this episode with just one person. It's gonna help us get this information out to more people to learn about entrepreneurship and real estate. Thanks, now let's dive into today's episode. We wanna teach them how to build passive income through real estate. We wanna teach them how to make money in and on real estate and be the real estate hustler be the real estate entrepreneur to go out and be able to survive in any market any place at any point in time uh, and be able to generate business find deals and income for themselves and their family and to eventually be able to you know retire from everything they've built within real estate
1: All right, so welcome everybody to the Kingdom Business Podcast, where we talk to leaders, entrepreneurs, real estate agents, professionals, tax advisors, anybody who knows anything about anything cool. And um, this is where we talk about how we can use uh, the strategies and tactics uh, in order to, to gain the resources in order to expand the kingdom. And for my next guest, I'm super excited to have him on uh he is a, uh, a very experienced investor in multifamily and uh, also in recovery homes, and his name is Alex. And we are super excited to have him on board. We're gonna have a fantastic conversation. Um, so, Alex, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thank you, man. I'm I'm really excited to dive in. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, uh, so before we start, tell me a little bit about you know your your background and, and a little bit about your story. Sure. So, uh,
0: in short. Um, in in business, uh, the first business I started was uh, it was called uh, Fourth Dimension Recovery, and so what we did is we provided uh, interventions and uh, transports for treatment centers and uh, recovery coaching for families and for those who are suffering from uh, alcoholism and addiction. And then uh, shortly after that, um, started a business uh, within sober living. So Matt and I, uh, one of our properties, we turned into a sober living home. Um, I got out of that industry uh, a couple years after I got into it, and uh, Matt and I were just investing in real estate together. So you know, all day I would uh, I'd be working for fourth dimension recovery, addiction management, and really was just in love with uh, investing in real estate. So Matt, my partner, uh, now at TRE, um, had introduced me to real estate investing, and so basically, you know, all my waking hours uh, was was spent thinking about investing in real estate, generating leads, uh, buying rental properties, buying commercial real estate, and so I transitioned out of uh, the recovery industry. And um, really, at, at that point in time, my plan was just to go full time investing. So didn't have a big emphasis on getting my real estate license or starting a real estate brokerage or anything like that. Uh, it was more just focused on how can Matt and I go buy more real estate? And so we kept doing that. We had bought a few properties and around uh, May of 2020, um, Matt at the time had the real estate brokerage, uh, Typeke Real Estate. He had, I think like a seven to 12 agents or so, And he asked if I wanted to partner with him on the brokerage and come in and help him grow it. And I said, absolutely. You know, where do I sign? And uh, so since May of 2020, we've just spent all of our time focused on building the brand, building the brokerage uh, invested in a ton of real estate, you know, over the past couple of years as well. Um, But we've really grown tremendously. Um, So in May of 2020 had like, you know, seven to 12 agents or so, no employees, and now we've got a uh, about a hundred and thirty agents in Austin, uh, Corpus Christi, Houston, DFW, and uh, we got a full team, and we're we're sprinting and and not stopping anytime soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so you you touched on a a bunch of stuff that I I think we can uh, dive into. So um, whatever. Sorry, before we do, I want to just take one more step back and just. Um, I believe that everyone has a a certain set of gifts or values that, um, or strengths that keeps them kind of centered and then, uh, allows them to, you know, leverage and and kind of be successful. So what are, what are one or two of your gifts or strengths that you think, um, have, have gotten you to where you're, you are today? So, uh, I'll try and keep this short too, but I think it,
0: it'll help paint, the picture a little bit as well by not just providing a bullet point answer but i got uh sober in 2015 and so um before then you know I was from like 11 to 21 years old my life was just i was going down the wrong path and by 21 i was a full-blown heroin addict you know in and out of jail all the time selling selling drugs not not doing anything productive uh yeah. and ruining my life and i mean i was going to die honestly if I didn't uh change. And so uh I got sober in 2015 and since then uh my life has you know turned to turned to complete 180 and I'm a completely different person than I was uh, you know prior to getting sober. Um but if I were to say two things that have uh you know helped uh get to where I'm at today, um it would definitely be uh, relationship with God and really um, in any moment where there's uncertainty or fear or, you know, not knowing uh, where to turn, always being able to turn back there. Yeah. Um, and then number two is uh, which is kind of provided the confidence from number one is uh, being able to just figure things out, like not needing to know uh, every single answer and not needing to know an exact path, um, but just saying, Hey, uh, this is where we're going and we'll figure it out along the way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> I mean, there's a, there's a really interesting dichotomy with that kind of mindset, right? Cause on the one hand you go, you, you kind of like have the, I want to say the shark tank mentality, right? Where you like go in, right. And they're like, Oh, like hope is not a strategy and like all this stuff. Right. But they're not, they're not looking at it from like a, a God view, right? I'm I'm listening to this book right now by Anley Stanley called Visioneering. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. It's all about how to cultivate, <clears throat> you know, your vision. And and what he says in that book is is that, you know, um, how is God's specialty, right? You just need to figure out like what it is to go do and have the faith. And like if it's like God ordained, like He'll figure out the how. So don't don't worry about that. And it's a for sure. It's a different. It's a balance, yeah. right? Because <clears throat> you don't just want to go into something without having any sort of like idea of what's going on, but at the same time, right. You got to figure out like, okay, you know what? Like this might not seem possible right now, but you know, with God, all things are possible. So we'll just kind of go by faith.
0: Anything's possible, man. And it, and it's not so much like an attitude of hope Um, just for me personally, like uh, I've realized that uh, all this, all this stuff, uh, you know, all the businesses, the real estate, uh, you know, podcasts, marketing, none of this stuff, uh, um, none of this stuff is, is what makes me happy. Right. Yeah. Uh, at a, at an internal, you know, deep level. And like when I was, um, when I was, you know, getting sober and I had absolutely nothing but uh, a relationship with God, That was the happiest I'd ever been in my entire life. And I had absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I was working at firehouse subs making eight 25 an hour. And so, uh, I, at that point I realized that that's all I needed to be happy. And, um, so really like, uh, you know, moving forward, it's not like operating from hope. It's just that, like, if it doesn't work out, who cares? Uh, it's It's not the end of the world.
1: I like that. I like that mentality. And I bet you know how to make a mean sub because Firehouse is really good. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So let's, uh, let's dive into the sober living thing really quick. So you got sober and is that what like prompted you to go into sober living homes? And then like, let's kind of dive into the business side of that a little bit. Sure. So it is, um,
0: when I was getting sober, I was at a treatment center for, for four months. And when I was at this treatment center, um, you know, like my life's changing. Uh, um, experiencing God for the first time. I'm, I'm happy. Like I've, this is the first time I've been sober, uh, for more than a few days, um, for, you know, 10 years. Right. So I'm, it's like, I'm uh, truly, uh, reborn, uh, yeah. in 2015. And so I'm, I'm just really happy. I'm learning new things. I've, I've got a relationship with God. I'm helping other people. Um, you know, new guys as they come to the treatment center, helping those guys out. And, um, So I, you know, looking at the employees of the treatment center, I was like, wow, this would be a cool job. And like, I'm the most fulfilled, uh, when I'm helping people and, uh, when I'm helping others grow closer to God. And so it's like, you know, if this, if this could be a job, that would be amazing. And so, uh, at that point in time, that's where I said, it would be great to, You know, and you know, manage sober living houses. It'd be great to become a counselor. It'd be great to you know work at a treatment center or own a treatment center. And uh, the opportunity presented itself probably when I was about two and a half years sober, uh, maybe three years sober. Um, but it 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 changed, and it didn't uh, it didn't fulfill me to be on the business side of it. Interesting. I really I really enjoyed the volunteering side of it. But when uh, the business side of it uh, came into play and when I realized what the, I mean, they're businesses, they, they need to make money. Yeah. Uh, it's not uh, all about helping people. Um, it's, you know, if they don't make money, they can't help people. Um, and so I just didn't like that aspect of the recovery industry. And um, so I was in it for like, you know, heavy for like a year we We're we we're trying to build and grow the business but my heart just wasn't in it. I didn't want to charge people thousands of dollars for yeah. something that I was willing to do for free, you know? Uh, but I had a partner and, um, you know, we had a business and I have a, a duty to him and to this business to, to have this business be successful. And it just didn't sit right with me. Um, and so him and I, uh, ended up, uh, ways and, uh, he took the company And I went and uh, turned one of our rental properties into a sober living house. And um, this was a little bit different. You know, it's not so much, uh, it wasn't what we were doing. And, you know, we are providing housing for people. But even then, like I couldn't go, uh, just like in any business, you got to go and develop business. You got to go meet people. You got to go shake hands and kiss babies and stuff. And I couldn't go and like, uh, and be fake in front of all these people. Like I didn't want to go pretend, uh, to be this, you know, business developer for my business and the recovery industry. And like, just, I just couldn't be fake. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't do it <laughs> and, uh, I have a lot of friends in, in the recovery industry. And so like, you know, but that's the way to do it in the recovery industry to get business to be successful is you have to, uh, refer clients to other treatment centers in order for them to refer clients back to you. And so at this point, it's really like, uh, I just didn't like, uh, I didn't like human lives being in the, uh, middle of a transaction, if that makes sense. Yeah, And, and I couldn't go and, you know, pretend to be fake and say like, Oh yeah, I'll send you all these clients to do this and that. Um, so the sober living business didn't do that well. I mean, we, we didn't lose money or anything, but it's not like it was this extremely successful thing, but honestly, I didn't want it to be, uh, I didn't really want to be in that industry and yeah, um, be on the business side of it.
1: That's interesting. So we have that's It's, it's interesting for me on a kind of more of a personal level. Cause um, my, my, my father and, and I got this screaming deal in riverside um california and it's a it was like i don't know what it was like it was like a church or something at one point but it's a single family house it's on a couple of different like uh parcels on like two and a half acres in the hills it's like secluded but it's like a mile and a half away from from this uh uc riverside Mm -hmm. and uh it was a dump like i don't know how he found it but he found it and, and we got it we locked it down and then, like, we're, like, renovating this thing. And he's, like, I want to turn it into a sober living home. I'm, like, why? He's, like, well, because you can, like, you know, jam-pack, like, six dudes in a bedroom. And I'm, like, that sounds like a a lot, a lot of potential, like, liability and stuff. Like, do, we don't have any idea what we're doing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to create a, just, like, a meth house, like, out there, you know? Like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know how to run a sober living home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I got, um I've been looking for people who would like manage it and like just try and like lease it out. But I've, I've realized that I want, like, I don't have that. um I you know, after talking to these people, a lot of these people have like gone through it and so they know, and then they're like, they're convicted by it. And like, I mean, that's just not where our hearts at right now. Like we're just not, not there. So it's like, okay, like, how can I take this and like, you know, partner, with somebody who, who is convicted by it and doing stuff. But so I found this one group and, and they are like trying to run through like the insurance and do like a treatment center, like detox center, like all Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And so I'm like, that sounds like good to me, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. And it, from what it sounds like is that if you kind of have that heart for people, then it might be, it might be harder for you to like run the business side of things versus if you were kind of like detached from it. Cause do you think if you were like, not, you know, if, if like you didn't have that experience that it would be a different mindset for you? Like, could you see it being a viable business, like opportunity? Should you, it's a, it's a great business opportunity. You know, it, it is
0: uh, like I said, personally, I just didn't uh, um, in that industry, or in that realm, I'd much rather just volunteer, yeah, uh, than have anything to do with with business. But uh, treatment centers uh, make a tremendous amount of money. You know, insurance pays a lot of money for for uh, drug and alcohol treatment. Same with like PHP, which is uh, the step down from residential treatment. Yeah. partial hospitalization, then IOP, which is uh, intensive outpatient treatment. And then, you know, you have sober living and it's a great industry and it's a great uh, business um, and it does help people. Right. And it's not like this, uh, you know, like I I got sober by going to a treatment center and at this treatment center, they really cared and they really helped me and they they saved my life. You know, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't. I believe if I didn't go to that treatment center and if I didn't uh, learn what they taught me, if I would have gone to another one and learned something else, who knows, I may be dead right now yeah um and uh so it's it's a great industry it's a great thing and it's it's a great business opportunity for me personally uh, I just didn't enjoy being on the business side of it and it just didn't sit right with me yeah and uh, I'd much rather just volunteer my time but what's what's cool though is uh we shut down the sober living house and we were gonna turn it into an airbnb because it's a fairly expensive house and uh, you know, to just get a long-term tenant in there, like maybe it breaks even, but most likely it wouldn't break even and we'd lose money on it, but it's a great property. And, uh, so what we, um, you know, God thing, uh, I don't know how this came about exactly, but we're in the process of, uh, renting it out after I moved out of there, uh, from the sober living house. And, uh, I got this call from somebody like, Hey, you know, somebody gave me your info uh, said that, you know, you could, I guess, cause we own a real estate brokerage, you could possibly help me locate a sober living home. I'm looking to start a sober living home, blah, blah. And it's like, that's funny. Like, yeah, I could, I could refer you to one of our agents, but I got a, a spot for you, you know, right here. Uh, I used to run a sober living home out of this house and he's actually there right now. Uh, and so the same property is now providing another opportunity for cool. someone yeah. who does want to, uh, be on the business side of it.
1: It sounds like it just wasn't necessarily your calling like or your purpose.
0: Not on the business side, on the, yeah. uh, uh, on the volunteering side and on the, uh, you know, helping side, it definitely is. Um, but just not on the business side. It, I'm a businessman and and I love, yeah. and I like making money and I want to have a successful business. Uh, I just didn't enjoy those two things always being in conflict. Cause on the other side of things, I want to help people and I want to uh, volunteer and, you know, I didn't feel right charging money for what I would do for free.
1: Nice. Yeah. It makes, it makes perfect sense, you know, and you know, you might, you may all of a sudden like find that in the future or something, you, you come up with some, you know, alternative solution or something like that, that, you know, could bring you back full circle. You never know if it's going to happen.
0: Who knows at this point in my life, I have completely forgot about the, uh, the business side of, of the recovery industry. And I mean, all my, um, all my friends are, uh, sober and they they all work in the recovery industry and, you know, we all got sober together and all, you know, they own sober living houses or they're the, uh, executive directors or CEOs or treatment centers. And, uh, but I just, uh, I don't see myself ever
1: going back to that. Never going back. Hey, you know what? That's okay. You do do what you need to do and you found out what's, uh, what's not important. So, um, I think, you know, everyone, you need to find out what you're, what you're not called to do too, you know? Absolutely. Um, That's awesome. But then you transitioned into something that you feel like maybe you are more called to, and that's multifamily investing. Yep. Well, just real estate in general,
0: everything. Okay. So, I mean, you know, we invest in single family, we flip single family, we, you know, wholesale commercial residential, we buy commercial multifamily. We'll, we invest in, you know, mobile home parks. We'll, uh, we'll buy anything, but really, I mean, uh, on a real general level, uh, just real estate, everything, real estate, you know, we've got a real estate brokerage, we've got a construction company, we've got a wholesaling company, management company. Um, and so my life and all of our businesses uh, work together within the, the real estate industry as a whole.
1: Yeah. So what's your favorite asset class in right now? Um,
0: I used to, uh, if you would ask me this a year ago, I would have said that, uh, uh commercial multifamily okay. uh or industrial like uh business warehouse parks uh mm-hmm. i really like uh but our mobile home park is is doing well uh it's probably one of our best properties um for cash flow and it's it's a great location but uh honestly i wouldn't say that there's a specific asset class that i like more than than the others i do like uh the the mobile home park side of things where there's no expenses, you know, it's just lot rent or the, uh, industrial side of things where, um, you know, net leases and it's really just like a shell, right. It's a metal shell. So there's, there's not much maintenance or anything to be done there either. Uh, but ultimately we just like really good deals. Like if I can, Buy a four hundred thousand dollar property for one hundred thousand. At that point, moment in time, that's my favorite property. You know, <laughs> if I can uh, do the same thing on the commercial side of things, like that's you know that's my favorite in that moment. So really, all we're doing is looking for for good deals wherever they may come from.
1: So how are you? How are you finding these deals?
0: In many different ways, we got hundred and thirty agents who mm-hmm. we teach to go out and find deals, and they bring us deals. Uh, it's what. One thirty-eight right now at, uh, four we're going to meet one of our agents at a property in Round Rock that, uh, she found that she wants to partner on. So we teach our agents to go out and find deals and, uh, we will partner with you on it. You know, we'll bring capital, we'll bring the contractors. We've got everything in, in place to get things done. Um, and then Matt, you know, all of Matt's connections and Matt's our BD guy. So he yeah. goes and he builds relationships with everybody. So, uh, they come in through that, you know. We've got our wholesale company. We got uh, four or five guys who are cold calling uh, owners and Texan owners off market all day long. Um, you know, we just find it by reaching out to agents, making offers ourselves. We're just, you know, constantly looking in, in all these different uh,
1: areas. You guys are running a business, that's for sure. Trying. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got some. You guys got some legs yeah well thank you yeah so how did you how did when you came on you said there was 12 agents i think we were talking before before i started recording this like you had what like 12 agents or seven agents or something like that matt said seven i think he had like 12 though when we we started so how did how did you and and matt besides just being like super cool dudes right and and just being like, Hey man, like, we'll just go for it. Cause when I was doing that, you know, talking with Matt, you know, he, he mentioned a couple of things like, Hey, no fear. And, and we're just no hesitation. We'll just, we're just going to go for it. Like, you know, and, and so like treating people right. Right. And then like, how can they, you know, how can, how can we serve our agents right on top mm-hmm. of it, as opposed to the, the, a lot of the franchise brokerages that are just, no, not, not, not really like that. So yeah. How did you go? How did you grow to 130 agents, and then develop all of these different things? You... Brute force. Yeah.
0: No, we. Uh, I mean, yeah, we work really hard. You know, we we've worked really hard to get where we're at today, and uh, I still feel, um, like we're at the start line. You know, like we haven't even haven't even begun to go where we want to go. Um, but. Uh, man, we, we have something special. And so it's, it's different when you ask like, uh, Matt, you know, that question who talks about, you know, these other brokerages and his experiences with other brokerages. Uh, but my only experience has been this, I didn't go to KW. I didn't go work for another real estate company. Uh, Matt and I, you know, developed this together and I learned everything from Matt. And so, um, this has been my only experience, but, Comparatively speaking to to what other things are are being offered out there, we offer something extremely special and unique, and it caters to those who are similar to me and Matt, who don't want to be, you know, just the best real estate agent. They don't want to be, you know, uh, just a commercial tenant rep uh, agent or broker, right? They don't want to just go sell luxury homes in, in West Austin or whatever it is. We cater to those who want to get the most out of real estate for themselves. We also don't view, I mean, our client is our agents, right? They are our clients. Um, So we don't view the consumer as our client. We're not trying to find, you know, new home buyers or or listings uh, and viewing those people as our clients. We're trying to find hustlers. We're trying to find uh, potential future entrepreneurs. Uh, to come join us in this path to uh, to greatness. And we want to teach them how to invest in real estate. We want to teach them how to build uh, their net worth. We want to teach them how to build passive income through real estate. We want to teach them how to make money in and on real estate and be the real estate hustler, be the real estate entrepreneur to go out and be able to survive in any market, any place at any point in time, Uh, and be able to generate business, find deals and income for themselves and their family, and to eventually be able to, you know, retire from everything they've built within real estate.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a phenomenal model. Like I love the, and it really kind of circles back to this whole, like, how can we serve you? You Yeah, Absolutely kind of mindset which seems to permeate throughout your guys's entire organization because i'm sure that they're taking off you know you guys have built a culture it sounds like that is all about how can we you know help others get what they want
0: absolutely i mean we've uh we've experienced great things uh from real estate and the real estate business in many different ways and we want other people to experience it too we think that if someone is just viewing it from one one way, like I'm only going to work with residential listings. And that's my goal is to be the best listing agent in Austin. We think you're, you know, missing out on 95% of the value of the industry that you're in. Right. And so we want to try and teach this and educate people and show them that, um, Hey, there's all these other worlds and there's all these other things that you're missing out on and you're leaving opportunities and money on the table uh, every second of every day, when only viewing it from, you know, from that mindset, as opposed to this
1: mindset. Right. So how do you, and I asked Matt the same question, right? Like, how do you stay, I don't know, f- focused on like, what you're doing when it seems like with like, the industry is so big, right? How, how are you training your agents to, to be able to go from one, like, type of, of deal to another and still still be able to like add value. And, and I guess, I guess i said this one to him, like Jack of all trades, like master of none. Right. So how, how are you taking that approach and you know, kind of like expanding it out to all these different asset classes, like within real estate versus just the specialized, like,
0: Here's the deal. we um we are the master of one thing, and we are specialized in one thing, and it's finding deals. And so that's all our agents and anybody who wants to be successful in real estate, uh, that's all they need to to specialize in in order to go into commercial real estate, in order to go into residential real estate, in order to be successful in the hottest real estate market of all time, in order to be successful in, you know, 2007 and 2008 and, and one of the worst crashes of all time. All you need to know how to do is to find deals and you can do anything at that point. You find good deals, you have a thousand different options of, of yeah. where you want to take it, right? And the, the opportunities are, are limitless. And so we specialize in that. And we try and teach our agents to specialize in that as well, because you find good deals, you can go do whatever you want.
1: That is a brilliant answer because I think, I think you're right. You know, there's a lot, I get a lot of pushback sometimes for being, I don't want to say the shiny object, like we were talking about a little bit, you know, earlier. I mean, like if I see something that's like intriguing to me, like in the commercial space or whatever, like I'm not going to not go explore it, you yeah. know? You know, like oh, that's a warehouse. No, it's off market though. Like maybe, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We gonna, uh
0: we I'm get gonna, a lot of pushback too. I'm I'm imagining that people tell you this,
1: uh, because you're
0: talking about it, but people tell us this all the time too, like, man, y'all are spread too thin, y'all do this, you do that. And the truth of the matter is, is that we're not even close to being spread thin, and um we're going all in and we're going really deep on. Uh, attracting those who want uh, to be an entrepreneur is what we call it. That's an agent with TRE who uh, is, you know, the ultimate entrepreneur uh, and real estate entrepreneur. Um, they invest in real estate, they make money in and on real estate, they know how to find deals, they specialize in finding deals. And so, we're going all in on attracting those type of people, and we're going all in on trying to teach the general public and trying to teach, um, you know, those who join us and those who are thinking about joining us and those who maybe never want to join us. Uh, we're trying to go all in on teaching people about investing in real estate and the opportunities that it can provide for you. Um, and we have great people around us. It's not just me and Matt, you know, we were talking earlier about the, uh, the podcast, like, we've got, uh, our marketing genius, Andrew over here. And then we've got, uh, other people on our marketing team. We've got a vice president who's amazing. We've got, uh, VAs who've worked with us for five years. We've got amazing partners on the wholesaling side, on the construction side, all of our agents are our partners, you know? And so we've got amazing people around us and we built this, this tribe of, of entrepreneurs who, who want to go out and find deals. And, uh, and that's what we're good at.
1: Yeah. So do you have a pretty like, uh, in-depth training like program that you guys have developed or how do you how do you catch everyone up to speed it takes time um
0: we do we have a a department within our brokerage called the agent success department and um in this agent success department we have uh, entrepreneurs who we have as the coaches and we have our entrepreneur curriculum that is taught um, and we teach commercial real estate, residential. We teach the traditional, you know, buyers and sellers. We teach off market. We teach property management. We teach, you know, contracts, uh, how to build a business, marketing, all those types of things within this curriculum. And then we have uh, an entrepreneur roadmap for those who want uh, the roadmap of how to be the entrepreneur, of how to start uh, making money in and on real estate with leasing, buyers and sellers, commercial real estate, lending money, investing, wholesaling. And so we have this, this roadmap for those who, who want to take this path and who want to become the entrepreneur as well. Um, but it takes a lot of time. I was talking to somebody yesterday and, uh, you know, everybody wants to invest in real estate, right? Like, yeah. uh, You know, it sounds cool and it sounds like a lot of fun, but it's a ton of work. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have no money. Sometimes we don't know how we're going to get a deal done. Sometimes we don't know how we're going to survive. We got tenants not paying rent. We got lenders saying, hey, you know, you need to pay this. We got it's a it's a hard life. Right. And uh, there's a ton of moving pieces all the time. And you're juggling all these pieces. And so uh, everybody says they want to invest in real estate. And then when it comes time to take action, uh, there's, you know, they start stepping back a little bit. Right. And so it takes a long time to educate that person enough to get them to feel comfortable to take that first step. And then from there, when they take that first step, if they really have it in them and if they really want it, then they just kind of go all in and they start to take off. Right. Um, but it, it, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of education. It, it takes a lot of us being a role model and of us, uh, being an example for them. Um, and showing them like, hey, you can do it. This is how you do it. Do it with us. A lot of hand-holding. But uh, it's possible we, we've we got it there.
1: Yeah. So do you guys have like... So I'm just trying to like, imagine like the onboarding process, right? Some agent comes in and they're like, hey, Alex, like I want to join you guys' team. I know nothing about real estate. So like, or I have a real estate license. I was at KW or whatever. <laughs> I know how to, you know, I was a buyer's agent. Right. This, this is the way it works,
0: is uh, Matt brings them in. Uh, Matt and the business development department, uh, they handle all sales. And so the uh, you know, agents come in, they go through the onboarding process of paperwork and contracts and switching licenses over and all that stuff, which is really fast and seamless. And then, boom, they get connected with our agent success uh, department head and our vice president, Lexi and then they start onboarding so every single week we have um, our onboarding sessions into the agent success department and this typically takes about two to four weeks to really go over our core values to really go over what it means to be an entrepreneur Uh, we get them to set goals we get them to set their kpis their key performance indicators we get them to build out their accountability chart their business plan And then from there, they start joining our courses. They get connected to our coaches and they have weekly accountability meetings on a weekly basis. They go to the classes, uh, we give leads to them and they just start to kind of navigate their own path within the entrepreneur
1: curriculum. So you're actually providing leads too.
0: Yeah, we provide leads when they come in. We don't have a huge emphasis on it, but the, uh, the agent success department is the only place we give leads to um, cause they're the ones who should need it. Right. right. We have two models. You have the agent success department, which is where you start off, or if you're below a certain production value, you go into here to learn, to get practice, to get leads, to get the coaching, to get all that stuff. Right. And then you graduate from there. So that's a 12 month commitment. And then once you are in there for a year and once you show you've been working on things and doing better, uh, you can stay there if you want to. If you want to stay with the coach, you can stay in the program, but you also have the option to move up to a higher level uh, and still, and start operating on your own without all the support and hand holding and all of that. Nice.
1: So you guys, you guys have really dialed in and how long did it take you to grow this whole thing?
0: Since May of 2020. <laughs> I mean, uh, That's relatively quick. I know, but it, Matt's been doing this for, for 13 years, right? So Matt's been, you know, building his name. He's been building his relationships uh, yeah. be- before the brokerage at a property management company. Uh, I forget how long they're building that for, but I would I would think what, like three to five years, give or take. And so all that stuff has been in the works since Matt was 18 years old, right? Yeah. And then, you know, at May of 2020 is where uh, we started growing and building out the brokerage
1: nice well it sounds like you guys really got you know your head on straight and you know you have your your vision where you're going you have your plans and your you know your your stuff and people are just like coming in droves now 150 agents in two years is pretty good
0: it's not bad uh it's not bad like i said i like to think that we're like not even close to where we want to be and we haven't even begun and so i don't like to uh it definitely is. And we've accomplished a lot. And we, we, again, we've got so many great people around us uh, that have uh, helped us get here to this point. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I know Matt views it this way too, but just, I just like to view it as like, Hey, we haven't even started and we've got so much more to do.
1: Yeah. So do you guys have like your big, like vision goals? Like, do, like, Hey, like we want to be this or whatever by this time or, what, where, where is the, where is kind of like the, the distant finish line? Like, what does that look like? Obviously keeps moving because you're For an sure. entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, you know, uh, that's the issue is There is no finish line. There's no like, uh, this much money or this many agents or this, 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 uh, and we'll be satisfied or we'll be, you know, we'll stop doing what we're doing. I mean, we just, uh, I think we just love growing and we just love, um, building yeah. things. And we love building with people and we love buying real estate. We love doing deals. The long-term vision is to be global. Long-term vision is to be the greatest real estate company in the world. When uh, Elon Musk gets to Mars, we'll be on Mars too. you know. <laughs> and the, the goal is to build out the place, the best place in the world for those who want to get the most out of real estate to come to. And we'll develop uh, we'll develop you. We'll develop with you. We will, uh, buy real estate with you. We'll do deals with you. Uh, we'll teach you how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And that's the, the ultimate goal.
1: Nice. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So do you, do you guys then think that, um, Do you guys think that this whole movement in the in the I don't know digital space, the metaverse type of issue with the digital real estate? Do you guys think that this whole movement is going to be somewhere where you guys kind of ultimately go into as well?
0: We are, and uh, we're we're making moves to get there right now and implement things uh, within our business that uh, operate off of. The blockchain and operate off of nfts and um digital real estate you know uh it's it's fairly new for me before uh matt's been talking about bitcoin and the blockchain for a long time yeah and uh i think in november was the first time i bought any like ethereum or or bitcoin or anything and since then though like I've been hooked and I've been uh, consuming a ton of information on the blockchain and smart contracts and NFTs and, and everything. Right. And uh, I do believe it's the future. And I do believe that um, things are going there. And like my mind's like, uh, it's just, it's just firing all these ideas and it's firing, you know, the potential of what all this stuff could be. And so um, we are making a move to, to have our brokerage operate, uh, certain things off the blockchain to offer uh, real estate for our entrepreneurs and for our TRE agents uh, with fractional ownership to where there's more liquidity. They can, uh, you know, because a lot of people, when they're starting to invest in real estate, they don't have 50 grand to buy a deal, right? So uh, having the ability for all of our agents to put 50 bucks into a deal and have that fraction of ownership in this deal. And to be able to sell that when they don't want to be in it anymore, right? As opposed to being in it in the long run with us, you know, like uh, we can't just go to our real estate account and sell some shares, you know, but if there is fractional ownership via the blockchain, we could, Uh, we we want to offer some cool stuff um, via NFTs that are specific to our our brokerage. I really love uh, listening to Gary V and uh, his ideas with, with NFTs and what he's implementing, uh, within his business and within his brand with NFTs. And we want to do something similar here at TRE.
1: There's a, I interviewed a guy who's doing syndications with, uh, with blockchain. So talking to exactly what you're talking about, um, they got infrastructure set up and I'll connect you guys. Cause I think, uh, I think you would definitely be interested in coming on your podcast and, um, that'd be great. Yeah. We'd love not. to, man. We'd so, love to. He's, uh, He's a good dude. Um, all right. So we're kind of nearing the the end here, but, I uh, wanted to kind of just get a couple of like lightning round type questions in for you and let's go. And, uh, so what's your favorite leadership quote?
0: My favorite leadership quote is that, uh, good is the enemy of great.
1: Good is the enemy of great. Okay. Uh, any particular uh, book that you would recommend? Um, I would
0: recommend uh, "How to Win Friends and Influence People" yeah, by cool. Dale Carnegie, or yeah. uh, "The Cash Flow Quadrant" by Robert Kiyosaki. Okay.
1: Um, you got kids, wife, and all that kind of stuff? No kids. No kids. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. <laughs>
0: How old are you? Uh, I'm 27. 27.
1: You got time. It's
0: okay. Yeah, you know, uh, we want kids. We'll figure it out. But right now...
1: they uh, are a game changer, man. N- no desire. Kids are, kids, are, kids. will kids will really get in the way of uh, growing your business. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll love them to death. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of work.
0: I can only imagine. A lot of work. Yeah.
1: Um, all right. What are you most curious about right now? Uh, hmm. Most
0: curious about right now, uh, my my big focus is kind of learning about uh, the blockchain and, and NFTs and digital real estate and the future of how this will shape uh, all these industries. Um, and so I, that's where I spend a lot of my time is uh, when I'm at the gym or at night. When going to bed, um, I listen to a lot of stuff about, you know, the blockchain and smart contracts and NFTs and, and all that stuff. I think it's possible. Tell me what you think. I think it's possible that the, uh, that the stock market no longer exists and things just operate off of uh, coins uh, like Tesla has their Tesla coin. Instead of going through all the regulation of the SEC and the stock market and uh, things just kind of shift, everything shifts to the blockchain.
1: It's an interesting idea. Why
0: not? I mean, if if te- if there's so many odd Tesla coins out there, right? Yeah. And each coin is representative of this much ownership in Tesla, the company. Mm-hmm. Why could it not uh, operate the same as a share of Tesla?
1: I think if the at some point, right? It just it it might it might merge. Here's the thing: is they it's they're like super similar, but they're different. In, in a lot of ways because, I mean, they appreciate like stock, right? They just, they're not ownership of the company. Like they, uh, could, be. they could be, but then you're, but then you're, you're going back to kind of like shares, just shares on the blockchain. Is that, I mean, I could see like the, the stock market, like integrating with blockchain.
0: Well, that's what it is. Right. I mean, that's what, uh, that's what the coins are. It's, it's, uh, it's,
1: I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a total expert, but I think there's a fundamental difference between having ownership in an, the company and like um, what's the difference between a piece of paper and a and, and the coin? I think it's just the coin doesn't represent ownership in the companies yet. Like but
0: what, a piece of a piece of paper didn't represent ownership in Tesla until it said ownership in Tesla, right? That's true. It's just a. Uh, it's just a. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's just something that says you have value in this, right? So I mean, you know, it could be anything. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I just think I think the financial markets are eventually going to, I think it's, I think it's going to shape a, a lot of different things and a lot in every industry. I mean, uh, it's twenty four seven. Like I can, at three p.m. today when the stock market closes down. I can still trade on uh, Coinbase. Yep. Uh, same on Saturday and Sunday. Same at midnight. Uh, I can send money to you uh, via our Coinbase wallets instead of having to wait till 9 a.m. when my bank opens and send you a wire. Um, I don't know. I just think it's gonna.
1: I'm really interested in that. So, so okay. So let me let me play devil's advocate for you for, for a second. So why would why would the the owners of the companies want to no regulation yeah but do you really think that they're not going to regulate that
0: uh i mean that's the whole point is that it's not regulated right
1: and so well it's decentralized right well some of them are some of them are are not and like okay so coinbase for example right coinbase isn't like necessarily like regulated but it's also not really separated so if if you put your money in coinbase I you have like you go, access to where to- the, go ahead.
0: I think you go to where the people are. Like uh, if, the, if the New York Stock Exchange or the uh, NASDAQ or the Dow did not have the accessibility to uh, all of these potential investors and to the public, then these companies wouldn't go to those exchanges either, right? They only go to these exchanges because that's the best way to raise capital. That's the best way to get the money. That's the best way to be accessible to this many people. And so uh, that's the only reason that they go to the stock market in the first place is because that's where the money's at. But if the money was elsewhere and more accessible in these other places, then why would they not go there?
1: Well, does it, I guess, I guess where I'm struggling is like, does it have to be an either or? Uh,
0: I don't think so. I was just throwing that out there. That was just, that was just a question I asked myself is, is the blockchain going to replace uh traditional stock market? That's what I've been thinking. I, uh, it's just a question I've been asking myself yeah. every couple of days. I don't well, know.
1: I'm, I actually have not, I've never actually thought that that was like a thing. So you, you kind of like you, you, you planted a seed that I'm now going to like kind of think about a little bit because, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to like talk through it and see, okay, like not saying that it can't happen. I'm not saying that it won't happen. I just I have no idea. So uh, my initial like reaction though was like, okay, well hey, could it? Like, what would that look like, and why would why would that happen, right? So okay, so the whys are it's more efficient, right? You can cheaper. trade. Yeah, you could. It's cheaper, right? You can trade whenever. Um, there's no, uh, you know, there's 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 not as many. I don't know, like, uh, hoops to jump through. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, you know, it, it could be, it could be more seamless. And then from a company's perspective, right? Like maybe they don't have to give up ownership and like have board members vote. And maybe they're like, people are okay with that. But then, and, you know, but then like, if you were going to try to acquire a company, like one of the ways to do it, right. Is a, is a, you just, Buy all their stock, mm-hmm. so if you get rid of the ownership like piece of it right or or maybe the the stocks become nfts, and you just have to buy a certain number of nfts and then the, that's basically stocks are nfts
0: well, I mean, I don't know the answer here. this is just a, yeah, yeah, no no this is just a question I've been asking myself, but with bitcoin, if there's I don't know the number, I think it's twenty one million uh I believe so. If there's only 21 million Bitcoin ever going to be in existence, Mm -hmm. then if you bought uh, more than half of, you know, uh, 10.5 million Bitcoins, then you would own the majority of of Bitcoin, right? Uh, And so I would assume same concept here. You wouldn't want to have an endless amount and you wouldn't want to have, you know, the ability for these coins uh, to be diluted by just infinite amount, right? So... I don't know. It was just something I was thinking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't prepared for that at well, all. You,
0: you asked what I'm most interested in and and that's kind of what I'm thinking about is like, how does this play into what we're doing? I think that the blockchain and NFTs and smart contracts can be the catalyst because I mean, to be honest, like we've got very, uh, bold goals. We've got very, uh, a very bold vision, Right and to be the best real estate company in the world. Uh, that's why I feel like you know we haven't accomplished even anything close to where we want to go yet. Yeah. And so to get to that level, I mean, it's going to take a lot. Right. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a big catalyst. We got to do something completely revolutionary. And I think that um, the blockchain, smart contracts, NFTs, and and all this uh, by being ahead of the curve, I think that we can. I think that can be the catalyst to to accomplish amazing things and to get us that much closer to, to our goals. So, who do you think
1: is going to be like your biggest like competitor in the space? I don't know.
0: We don't uh, specifically with what we do.
1: Yeah, like you're, you're...
0: We don't really have uh, many competitors, right? Like, if you look at us from a traditional real estate brokerage sense. Uh, but we're not that. But if you did, you know, you got KWs, the largest real estate brokerage in the world. You got EXPs coming up right behind them. You know, Compass, all these people. But uh, they don't do what we do. They're a real estate brokerage, but they don't specialize in, in finding deals. They don't specialize in teaching people how to invest in real estate. They don't invest with their agents. Um, they're they're not building what we're building, and so. We haven't really met anybody or or seen anybody in the marketplace doing what we're doing, um, but if you, I don't know, I have no clue.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just I mean, because that is a you know bull vision, and you need bull vision. We were talking, you know, before we started recording about you know uh, you know God visions and and how you know when you and and what is your true kind of like you know purpose for. <clears throat> you know, what, what is, uh, I guess, what is the mission of your life? Right. As I, I think everyone's purpose is to glorify the father, but then like on top of that, right. Like, what are you going to like specifically do to do that? And a lot of people have, so, I mean, if you're, and I, I do really like really like your guys's approach, you know, it's, it's a serve, it's a serving based model where you're more focused on the agents, right. And cultivating the agents and and building their thing up. Right. And then, teaching them the, I guess the one thing that really matters, finding deals, right? And how, obviously there's a lot of intricacies with those and special deals and all that kind of stuff, right? Structuring them and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I really like you guys' approach. So you're not necessarily trying to become a brokerage. You're tr- trying to become the best at teaching people how to be entrepreneurs through real estate and on real estate.
0: Entrepreneurs, TRE, but uh, you're right. I mean, we are a real estate brokerage, and all of us are real estate agents or real estate brokers. And uh, it's one aspect of it, though. That's not all we are, that's part of the in concept of our core focus. In and on is our core focus in real estate as an agent, a lender, a wholesaler. Uh, a flipper flipping real estate's a job uh, and on real estate through owning and investing. Right. And so being a real estate agent and a real estate brokerage is just one portion of the end part of our core focus.
1: Do you guys invest in deals that aren't yours? Yeah. So if like, if someone brings you like, Hey, this is like, there's a multifamily project coming up. Or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Send you guys one, one just Do came it. across my desk a few, a few hours ago
0: that'd be great man we appreciate it yeah where are um, you at you're in cali
1: yeah i'm in i'm in newport
0: we'd love to to do some deals together somehow some way if you're ever interested in investment.
1: i got i got this one right now here okay here's a philosophical question for you i'm sorry we're going long but no I, we're good um yeah if, if you need to if you need to stop it just just let me know so There's this, uh, deal in San Juan Capistrano. Okay. It's a four, they're, they're asking for 4 million bucks for this house. It's 6,100 square feet. It's on an acre in an equestrian zone. It's got a, it's fully built out. It's in great shape. It's totally legit. The only problem with this deal is that it has this 1997 Spanish style, which is like, I don't know how to, I'm not a designer, so. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like the house looks super good, you know, little slice of Mexico or whatever, right? We're good to go. Like, let's just find a buyer for it and, and go. In this neighborhood, there's deals that have, you know, gone for like 2.9 million. And then there's some deals that are like in the five, 6 million, but those properties are kind of a little bit bigger. And then like with miles away on the, on the, in a different neighborhood, there's houses that are in the 10 million Mm -hmm. different HOA, different neighborhood, whatever. So what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to find an investor who wants to come in and kind of like redo the Spanish style, I guess, and bring it up to more modern Mm -hmm. and then flip it. Cause you know, they're saying that 4 million is kind of a deal based off of like some of these bigger comps out there. I'm having a hard time, like bringing it to all of my investors and being like, okay, when I comped the property out, like, you know, it, I didn't see it. Okay. Now my philosophical question is, so there was a, and maybe just to give a little bit more context, there was a, a deal in uh, Corona Del Mar where um, no one wanted this deal. And it just like, wasn't, wasn't the numbers didn't pencil or whatever. One guy, I think the, the home sat on the market for like a year and a half. And then one guy came in, tore the house down. He built up this, you know, super like nice house, but then he put like a rooftop deck and he just like opened up like the entire view. So he came in with like a, a different, like creative like, solution. So philosophical question is like with that in the back of my mind, like, do you, how do you position that type of deal, right? To people without bringing them a crappy deal, number one, right? Because if they, um, you know, if they, if you get them a deal and it goes south or whatever, right? They're going to look at you like, oh man, you bought me a bad deal, you know? And then number two, like still like sell the deal, right? Because you still have a, you know, an obligation to the owner, I had to get him a good price. And then at the third time, like not limit someone's creativity, but still be honest about like where you're actually like thinking about the deal. So I don't know. I threw a lot at you right there, but does that make sense? (laughs) You're the the listing broker? Not the listing broker. So I have a friend who's like a friend mentor who's a listing broker. And the strategy was find an investor who wants to put some money into the house and then get it at at a little bit of a discount put some money into it and then flip it on the backside for five and a half million, five million, and then catch the listing on the, on the backside as well. Got it. I mean, is it a good deal? That's my thing. I, from, from a certain perspective, no, I don't think so, Uh but I don't, I'm I might not be the one who looks at it from a certain perspective to be like, yeah, actually this could be a really good deal. Right. Because all I really need to do is, uh, you know, paint the floors and it'll change everything. And, you know, I only have to put in, you know, hundred hundred thousand bucks and I can change out the awnings. I can paint the house and this will look great. And I can take some new pictures and refresh it on the market and put it on. And it's good to go. Like, I don't know, like from a full, like gut and tear down, like, no, cause you're trying to, you have to put a million and a half into it and if you get it for four. Then by that point you're at your ARV and things will probably sit. Yeah. So, what was what no, your
0: question? What was your, what was your question specifically? The
1: question, it's a philosophical question, right? Like as a real estate, like seller broker, who's like finding all these deals, right. When you find a deal that you don't necessarily know is a good deal, but could be right. Given the right perspective or circumstances, how do you position that to your buyers still get, you know, still get the good, you know, good price, right. Without looking like, Hey, um, Sending me a bad deal, but at the same time, I don't want to limit your creativity.
0: For sure. Uh like in our in my personal approach in doing so. Uh, you know, I typically I wouldn't, I wouldn't vouch for anything that I didn't think was a good deal, but I'd say, hey, check it out. This is, you know, if you are looking for opportunities, this is one that came up. Here's how I personally feel about it. Maybe good, you know,
1: uh, maybe a good deal for you. You check it out, you decide. Yeah. So I, you, you don't necessarily think like, cause I feel like I've almost talked people out of the deal sometimes, you know, I don't want to do that either. I don't usually,
0: uh, I don't usually talk people out of deals. Uh, yeah. if it's a, if it's a good deal and, uh, I definitely wouldn't be in a position where I would be promoting a deal that I thought was a bad deal. Uh, But I mean, the truth of the matter here in Austin is that right now things are so crazy and like what I wouldn't pay for something, somebody else is willing to pay, you know, uh, 50% more than than I would, right? Right, right. And so at this point in the Austin real estate market, like who even knows what a good deal is? Like uh, at this point, it's just like, who's moving from Newport, California and wants to
1: buy some Austin real estate? uh that's, that's what exactly what it's like like who's the supply is so low like i don't know <laughs> I'm just, right i'm trying i'm trying to understand it you know and not because you know, people ask me like what do you think i'm like well i don't actually you know it's really hard to comp this property because the values are all over the place yeah i, I just i always i'll tell
0: the truth i'll never lie to anybody if somebody yeah. asked me i'd say i'd say how i felt and then they didn't want to buy it then they didn't want to buy it or if they didn't feel like it was worth digging more into then whatever that's up to them
1: yeah interesting
0: i usually uh relate uh on the other philosophical side of that is that uh if uh if i get you know upset or if, if we like lose a deal because uh of this, this or this or if this buyer didn't, you know, buy this deal because of this, this, or this. I usually don't look at, uh, you know, I do, but I don't hang my hat on like, what did we do wrong? Did I say too much and talk them out of it? My, my solution to that problem is more of we don't have enough deals or we don't have enough buyers. And so we need to go put this in front of more people. And if I had more buyers, if I had more deals, not only would I not be concerned about this one over here if I had 200 going on, but uh, it's like I didn't do enough to get it in front of enough people as opposed to, uh, you know, this specific thing ruined all the possibilities for it.
1: So Does that make sense? Yeah, so basically you need to have a pipeline that's not anemic and you need have a fat buyers list where you can just send it if it's not for some people.
0: More, 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 more 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 in the pipeline more buyers um and i think that's the solution yeah
1: this one just this one's just i don't know what it is about this deal but like because the house is really sick like it's it looks really good you know i just i don't know and like i'm seeing stuff from the other agent and i'm just like dude like that's just like i don't know if that's true like it doesn't like yeah well probably not like, I don't, I don't, know. like, and she's like, one of the things was like, uh, it changed from like hold to expired. And she's like, it just came on the market at 6 million, like this comp. And I'm like, but it says expired. It's been sitting on the market for 280 days. Like, We've talked right. about like, where, yeah. how am I wrong here? What, what am I, what am I not seeing? Yeah. They're, they're probably not, it's probably not the
0: truth. And I mean, I think that people just, especially right now, I think people just have no clue what to do. Right. We had an appraiser. Uh, where I'm sitting right now is in downtown Round Rock. This is uh, just north of Austin, great suburb. Ton of people live here. So much stuff to do. A lot of jobs. Dell is headquartered here. Um, great city, right? And I'm sitting here in downtown Round Rock. We own this duplex uh, today. Actually, after this, we're uh, after this podcast. We're buying another property here in downtown Round Rock. It's going to be our new office. Um, and two days ago, the appraisal came back uh, and it was like way low. It was it was way low, lower than what we're paying for it. And uh, so, of course, we tried to debate the appraisal um, and the appraiser. He chose uh, three comps. Um, so where I'm sitting too, this is downtown Round Rock. Um, this is not, you know, some random neighborhood. This is downtown Round Rock. And downtown Round Rock is coveted, and it's a great place to be, and it's good real estate. And all Round Rock is good real estate, but this is more special. We're downtown. And um, it's also all zoned MU2, okay. multi-use too. So it's not just residential. Uh, this is MU2. We could tear this down, build three stories up, uh, You know, have commercial, your residential up top, uh, commercial down on the bottom, uh, multi-use. And, uh, the appraiser, he chose three different houses in three different neighborhoods that are not even close to downtown Round Rock. They're all residential. And, uh, I told him, I was like, where did how did you, how can you, how can you come up with the opinion of value of this property for three strictly residential properties and horrible neighborhoods that are not in downtown Round Rock? And he said, well, I couldn't find anything similar. And like, Hey, uh, you know, in 2015, this is what people were buying in downtown Round Rock, and your property doesn't meet that. It's like 2015, this is 2022. You know, like what are you talking about?
1: (laughs) At least post-COVID, me. Like (laughs) I know,
0: and and a lot has changed in the last seven years. Yeah. And and you can't buy anything. Almost a decade. I know. And so, you know. I don't think people really even know what, know what they're doing. Um, I
1: would love to like get an appraisal on a property from seven years ago comps. Like that would be phenomenal. Like and buy that, like, Oh yeah, sure. this property sold for $250,000 seven years ago. Like it's worth a million and a half now, but Hey, I'm cool. Well,
0: he wasn't talking about the values. What he was talking about was people's uh, buying patterns. And so he was saying in 2015, your style of property sold for this much price per square foot less than these styles in downtown round rock and it's like okay you know uh great point we're in 2022 and you can't buy anything in downtown round rock and uh if we threw this on the market i guarantee we'd sell it for 550 and as is not even touch it and he is saying that you know it's worth less than 400 dang but anyways my point is is i don't think people really know what they're doing and like you know there's a lot of Incompetent people out there and uh all listing agents are going to sell this property and tell you you know use this expired listing as a comp or uh you know they're just trying to get the property sold
1: yeah Uh, yeah yeah that that, that's kind of where i was going with the philosophical like there's a really hard like cognitive dissonance in, in my like hit there about that i'm just like that's not true like that comp sucks like it's sat for 280 days i'm not gonna send that to an investor who's gonna look at that like i'm an idiot it's actually not a comp it's ex- it's, it's an expired listing it's it's negative <laughs> right because it's literally dropped the house dropped from like eight million to like under what they paid for it in 2006 mm-hmm. so i'm just like if hey, don't don't send like don't
0: Send, send over whatever you got let uh let us look at it we'd be we'd love to
1: i'll, I'll send it man if you those. if
0: you can find something like cool to do with it like i'd love to at least uh have context of what you're talking about here yeah here's
1: one talking. of the, here's okay so here's something that's super interesting that i've positioned to a couple of different people that haven't like um that haven't really i don't know if they have grasped it or not. But so that strategy that I was talking about earlier in the podcast, um, the deferred sales trust. So what's unique about that is that works for any sort of asset. So Bitcoin, real estate, primary homes, uh, stock, doesn't matter any Mm -hmm. asset and you can diversify whatever. So you can sell a primary home and you can put the, the proceeds into super conservative, like, mutual funds and stocks or whatever you can earn eight percent and defer all the tax so on this particular mm-hmm. property the guy bought the property for 1.857 yeah 1.85 million dollars and um he's trying to sell for four after all of his his 121 exclusion and everything he's got probably six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in capital gains tax mm-hmm If someone, if an investor were to go in with me, we could literally offer 3.7 million. And at the end of it, he would net $140,000 more than an offer of 4.2 million. Hmm. Because of the deferral and the tax. And then on top of that, he's earning 8% on top of the money that he's saving. So if he wants to go buy a new house, he just pulls out enough for a down payment. And then money's so cheap right now that he can literally take a 5% difference that, you know, at a 3% loan and earning 8% on his money. And he can pay the, pay the difference easily and still make a five, like a 5% increase on top right. of that, the listing agent, I would offer a lower, um, you know, lower commission for the buyer. Right. But I would give more to the listing agent. The listing agent is going to come out with more money. The seller's going to net a bunch more money. The buyers are gonna gonna get a property at a way steeper discount and they'll actually sell and they'll actually be able to turn around and flip it and make some money. So yeah. like the whole thing's a win-win. Like, but people just like haven't like grasped that concept yet. And I'm like, you guys, like like this is like really powerful for those types of properties. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I don't know. Maybe I need to get better at like telling stories or something.
0: No, I think you're good you just need more buyers
1: yeah maybe but you got anyway. two
0: you got two here in austin
1: <clears throat> i'll send it i'll send it your way man yeah send it sure. here I'll start, I'll start sending you guys deals but um all right well i know you got to get out of here because you got stuff to do so i'll uh i'll let you go all right man and, uh,
0: it was great having uh have me on i appreciate it
1: yeah absolutely and i'll get this uh soundbited and sent over to you guys so all right my man have you a good day it. bye everybody yeah, it was great. Uh thanks for uh listening to another episode of uh, Kingdom Business. See you guys soon. See you next time. Yeah, see you.